0: The Cincinnati Reds ran into a buzzsaw that was the Philadelphia Phillies in this series. Thankfully, though, they avoided the sweep with a very dramatic walk-off from Jose Barrero. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about just the dominance of this Phillies lineup for the first two games and look at a couple of connections that the Reds and Phillies had this season. Yes, of course, Nick Castellanos, but there's one more that you might be forgetting about. Welcome in. To the Locked On Reds, Locked On Phillies crossover. I'm Jeff Carr. Steven Offenbaker is my co host. And with us today is Connor Thomas. Connor, I got to believe that you're feeling good despite the dramatic game that was the getaway day game on Wednesday.
2: I'm feeling a little bit better now that we're a couple hours removed from the final pitch of the game that ended up in a RBI single up the middle there and cost the Phillies the sweep. But, uh, yeah, not a bad bounce back series, especially following what the Phillies did in New York against the Mets, which was two consecutive shutouts uh, on the wrong end of shutouts to end that series. So, yeah, I can't be mad at an 11 run performance yesterday and uh, two wins out of three games.
0: Whereas, Steve, it just seemed like a lot of pain for like 18 innings. And really, I mean, from a lineup's perspective, you can add the first eight innings of the third game on there, too. So like 26 innings. Oh, whatever. I'm trying to do math. Steve, you know how that goes.
3: Yeah, don't don't do math. I'll tell you what. (laughs) I'm glad that they avoided a sweep and, you know, and couldn't be happier for Jose Barrero. Uh, but for me, the the story of the salvaging of this series was the performance of Nicodolo. You know, he goes out and strikes out eight, I think, through seven innings. and then your boy Alexis Diaz comes in and slams the door for a two inning win. Basically, he gets the win in that game. Uh, but boy, it's it's so nice to see some good pitching from a red uniform. <laughs> I mean, it's just not happening very often. and and this was definitely a bit of a treat.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's, let's jump into that because the Phillies lineup has been just a wagon recently. Mm. I mean, even coming into this series and they showed why in the first two games it sure the Reds didn't really throw the top flight starting pitchers at them. We're not reaching up the top shelf to get these guys, but at the same time, you still got to hit them and the Phillies. Good Lord, 30 hits in the first two games, man. You, you had to be feeling pretty good about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you trot out Mike Miner and uh, TJ Zoik, that's kind of what you expect from a playoff-ready lineup with the names that you see up and down the Phillies lineup. But still, they hadn't really put together a performance like that uh, since the Marlins series and the first or second games of the Marlins series. The past – Four games for the Phillies have been really, really quiet offensively, including three shutouts in the past four games coming into this series. So great bounce back, great job getting on base and really not just hitting the long ball and getting a run that way, but streaking together some offense, which was nice to see, even with Kyle Schwarber out of the lineup and sitting some guys for rest. Yeah, it was a comforting performance for the Phillies offense today, notwithstanding.
0: Kyle Schwarber, I think he's from somewhere around here, right? He's yeah, from Middletown. He's, Ohio guy. yeah he from
3: he's Middletown, Ohio guy. He's <laughs> from Middletown, Ohio. In case everybody yeah. forgot in
0: the last couple of years. <laughs> I, th- I think I tweeted that out whenever he came up to bat. Yeah, no, I, I think that even for Reds fans, those two games, the expectations weren't on the pitching. They were on the hitting because it seemed like the lineup had gotten right on Sunday against the Cubs, and maybe they were going to provide a little bit of a spark And then they didn't. And then they scored three runs on Monday and they scored three runs on Tuesday. And that's about all they could do. And when you had those pitchers on the mound, I think that the expectation was that they were going to blow it. Like, with all due respect to Mike Miner, he's had a nice career and Braves fans and Rangers fans will remember him fondly. Reds fans will. It's very likely that if he were healthy for the entire season, he would challenge Eric Milton for the most home runs allowed in one season by a Cincinnati Red. I mean, I firmly believe that. And then TJ Zwick is put into a situation where he's basically the get me from a to b there's a couple of guys that are hurt that should be in the starting rotation uh, the reds obviously traded away castillo and Mali so they're not pitching for the reds anytime soon if at all and then you have tj zoic just coming up to fill in because they didn't want to start the clock of some other prospects who arguably may be ready for the major leagues but ultimately i think the reds want to wait at least until next year to start those clocks so Zoik coming into this game was already kind of overmatched. We were hoping he would limit the walks, force more ground balls. But as David Bell said, well, you know, except for those couple of pitches he left over to the plate that the Phillies had for home runs, he pitched okay.
2: Yeah, he was so good he, outside
0: of the four home runs he gave up, but it's
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, not a bad... You thing take out that, the
0: hits he gave yeah. up, he was That's like right.
3: saying, like, except for all my bills, I'd be rich.
0: That's just not the way that... <laughs> yeah.
3: It's not the way you can evaluate a performance, Jeff. We looked... we looked. You know, Connor, we looked at what the Phillies were bringing to the table. I looked at what the Reds' rotation was, was setting up to be. You didn't even have to watch these games. You could look at how this was just on paper before the series started and pretty much predict how this was going to go, and it, it went that way, because the first two starting pitchers were just so bad that I would have to think from a, a Phillies perspective, your lineup and your guys looked at this at, on paper, just like I did and, and knew, uh, Hey, we have an opportunity to feast.
2: Yeah, they certainly did, especially when you compare them to the pitching they saw before. So the pitching matchups for the Phillies this past week went uh Max Scherzer, Jacob, the ground, Chris Bassett. And then you see Mike Miner. T.J. Zoick and Nick Lodolo. So a little bit of a discrepancy in ability there, and that had to have made the ball look like a beach ball to them, uh, at least in the first two games of the series. So, so yeah, I, I think they had these circled when they came into the week of games. They were excited to get up there at the dish.
0: I think, like, comparatively, if you worked a, a desk job or something like that, that'd be like saying, well, we got town hall meeting, we got corporate meeting, we got board meeting, and then we have free lunch day, uh, food truck day, and uh, yeah, team building at Chili's. Yeah. yeah, team team building at <laughs> Chili's Day. Like, Pretty much. Yeah, I, I, and, and Lodolo pitched amazing, and I tell you what, I, I do want to get into some Phillies pitching here in just a moment because we saw some really good pitching from the Phillies, but one other note too. looking at this, just the way that the Phillies bullpen has transformed with David Robertson back in the home guy that was a Philly in the, in uh, a couple of years ago, and now he's back and he looks completely different. The, the, Biggest difference other than the lineup for me was the way that the bullpen's pitched because the Phillies' bullpen was just on fire. And even though they gave up the g- game on Wednesday, even that was still like, you know, the Reds had to dink and dunk to get there. It wasn't as if it was egregious.
2: No, absolutely not. And that's Anthony Dominguez who gave up that hit to lose the game today, who's pending. Incredible for the Phillies. Today's game was much more on the offense, not scoring a torn run, than it was Sir Anthony Dominguez. But, no, the uh, bullpen has been absolutely incredible. Give a lot of credit to Rob Thompson for handling that significantly better. I know we're going to get into that managerial change during this episode, but one of the things he's done that's really helped is pretty solidified expectations, not necessarily roles, but a general frame for how he's going to handle the bullpen. And that's helped for the past two months even. So they've been really good. The starting pitching has been really good. Something I want to run by you guys, though, because this is a point of contention for Philadelphia Phillies fans. And I'm interested in an outside perspective on it. You guys saw Noah Syndergaard on Friday or what's that? Yeah. You saw him on Monday. If I'm Monday, keeping track Mike, of my yeah. days, who knows what day it is anymore. Right. We're at that point in the season, but he got hit around a little bit. He was pretty efficient. You could argue both ways as to how the performance went. What do you guys think of what you saw from cindergard from an opposing team's perspective?
0: I, Steve, I just thought he buckled down. Like whenever he needed to get an out, he got an out and that is something that as much as we love to sit here and watch games when a pitcher is just on it and has like 11 strikeouts and gives up like two hits. Even that is even more impressive to me is when you got guys on base and you got to look around, you got to make sure that you keep keep the ball in the infield. It seemed like Noah Syndergaard did that whenever he needed to. But it felt like a lot of hard contact, no?
3: Yeah. For me, there was a lot of hard contact. The, the thing with him that, that I found interesting is, is he wasn't uh, a fear inspiring pitcher in that start. It Mm. it wasn't, it wasn't a a pitcher that, you know, would make me kind of quake in my boots uh, to see him in the, in the rotation on the lineup card. But, you know, to Jeff's point uh, he does clearly still have the ability to, to reach back when he needs to, and you know, keep a hitter off balance from time to time and and you know, remind us of the major league pitcher he once was and maybe could be again. He's maybe he's just not quite there yet.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. More time away from the Tommy John surgery they're still mm-hmm. recovering from. Gotcha. Just interested in that perspective because some people are saying, Oh, it's great. We have Thor, he's gonna be incredible, he's the third best pitcher on this team. And some people are like, it doesn't look like he has the outs. Out pitch anymore. He doesn't have the stuff he used to, and it's a lot of hard contact. So we're still figuring out what exactly he can be for this team. Sure,
3: I I don't think you can evaluate him fairly till probably next year. I mean, it's it's got great him. that he's back in pitching, but yeah, more time away from the surgery I think is a great way to put that.
0: Very yeah, what when, when I think of Thor, I, I don't think of him in his old form. Like I think like if this is Thor, this is Thor Fat whenever Thor. he got a belly. That's what we we know. said it on the morning
2: show that I'm yeah. on on sports <laughs> <Four> talk radio. <laughs> yeah. We called him Fat Thor. What he is. Yeah.
0: Like, like maybe he's working the chains right now and maybe he's, you know, he's trying to get back in shape and get ready and, uh, but, but no, no, I, I, I definitely think that this is a different Noah Syndergaard than what he used to be. And I don't know that you'll see the old Noah Syndergaard, but you'll see a different version of him. You'll see a, a different version of Thor, but I tell you i was really impressed by kyle gibson and, and i was really impressed too by ranger suarez and i want to get your takes on that here coming up in just a minute but steve i know that uh when it comes to with the way that the reds have been struggling here recently there's just something that we want to let everybody know
3: you know uh if you heard our last show folks uh, there was very uh very serious very somber uh you know ad campaign that's running right now about you know not drinking and driving you need to uh you know, basically drive sober or you're gonna get pulled over. And and here's the bottom line. If you're out at Great American Ballpark right now, you know, to to, re- to really even be able to enjoy that baseball team a little bit right now in Cincinnati. You're getting blasted. I'm getting blasted. Jeff's getting blasted. God knows the pitchers are getting blasted. Everybody is getting blasted at Great American Ballpark. If you're going to do that, if you're going to drink, you need to drink responsibly. You need to make sure that you arrange to have a, a ride ahead of time or you're just not driving at all. You need to hoof it home, uh, give you time not only to, to walk off all those beers it takes to get through a Cincinnati Red start, Uh, but it'll help you decompress from the fact that they just gave up 17 home runs in a game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all tongue in cheek. It's all uh, you know, a fun way to, to talk about a very serious subject, Jeff, but you know, the bottom line is, you know, if you're going to go out and partake and enjoy, you know, the bad baseball in Cincinnati, the, the improving baseball in Philadelphia, or if you're catching a great game in New York or LA, you know, you have to make sure that you're responsible and, and you have that ride arranged.
0: Yeah, it's very comparable to, you know, knocking a few back and watching a bad movie and just making fun of it. Well, this is, you know, bad baseball. So, same diff, drive sober, get pulled over. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds and Locked On Phillies your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. All right. So the pitching of this one, obviously there was an element where the Phillies lineup dominated a Reds pitching staff that was overmatched. Conversely, there was a lot of good pitching from the Phillies in this series. Yes. The Reds lineup isn't necessarily one that's going to inspire fear in anybody's heart. And there's a huge reason why they're not in any sort of contention whatsoever is they just have been very inconsistent on the hitting side of things all year long. But then Kyle Gibson, And um, Ranger Suarez just absolutely pitched phenomenally in this series.
2: Yeah, they certainly did. Uh, Kyle Gibson last night, 11 strikeouts in that game. Zach Wheeler hasn't done it this year. Aaron Nola hasn't done it this year. You could have argued that both of those guys should have been all-stars. They've both capped out at 10. The only guy who's got more for the Phillies in a game this year is Zach Eflin with 12, which is ridiculous. And he, (laughs) he did it against, believe it or not, the Dodgers back in May. But it was a great performance by Kyle Gibson. He kind of has that zone he can get into where the slider is working, where it's a great major league out pitch for him. So he was incredible. And Ranger Suarez just outdueled Max Scherzer earlier in the series with the Mets. His previous start, so two great starts back to back by Ranger Suarez. One ended up going his way with the Phillies beating the Mets in extras, and this one losing on a walk-off by hand of his bullpen. So, you know, that's the way baseball goes sometimes. But very encouraging work by them. And we're at the point where if the Phillies make the playoffs, they're going to be most likely in that three-game wild-card series with somebody. It's going to be hard to determine who's that third starter for this team because Gibson and Suarez have both been so good as of late. They continue to be hot, and if they stay this hot, it'll be hard to keep the Phillies out of the playoffs.
3: You know, I got a, I got a question for you, and I know Jeff's going to want to tie in, you know, a, a Reds connection here in a minute. And, you know, you look at that pitching. The pitching is improving. The team is improving. You, you're talking now about them potentially making the playoffs. And on the Reds television broadcast, you know, they talked several times about how this team is performing so much better under your interim manager than it did early on in the season when you had Joe Girardi running the team. What do you point to as the turnaround here? Is it just, was it timing? Was it, is it the manager that much better? I mean, what's going on in Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, there's a couple things that Rob Thompson has done that Joe Girardi never did. How much of an impact they had is debatable. I think part of it is the schedule just happened to get easier right around the time Joe Girardi left. But also, the young players playing, guys like Bryson Stott, Derek Hall, who you guys saw at DH and first base in this series, Matt Vierling, players like that, that got opportunities under Rob Thompson. Joe Girardi would play him one day, sit him three days. They couldn't get in a rhythm, and it's been an issue the past couple years of not being able to develop young talent. Happened last year with Alec Bohm, who was the NL Rookie of the Year runner-up, and he gets sent down the next year because he's missing days at third base to give opportunities to guys like, well, this year was Johan Camargo. It's dumb to play guys who are not in the plans of this team in the future, and the young guys playing, was huge for Rob Thompson. Very framed roles we talked about already with the bullpen was another thing. And the biggest thing we've heard is communication. They said Joe Girardi talked to like nobody in the clubhouse, the players. Nick Castellanos had a comment about two months into the season that said maybe he's had two conversations with Joe Girardi since he's been here. So that's very damning. Maybe it's because Rob Thompson's Canadian. And he's just that much more friendly and easier to talk to. I don't know if it's that simple. But those are the three biggest differences that I've heard from being around the team. And they've turned into, well, you see the dividends based on the record.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you said that. It's like we have the same mind because I think that that's an important thing, whether you're a contending team or not, is realizing who's going to be a part of the future of this team. And that's something that really the Reds almost begrudgingly accepted after a terrible first month, like the first month of the season really sunk this team as much as Steve and I wanted to hold on to hope that they were even gonna touch the over, let alone be a wild card team or be 500 or something like that. None of that's happening. So they have to focus on giving young players playing time. And it's odd that they chose now, after a ham eight bone injury and after struggling through triple A to give Jose Barrero everyday playing time, but that finally paid off today. And I'm hoping that this is kind of the turning point because you watched it, you saw it, something yeah. that we've seen ever since he came up there's something about that pitch that bounces in front of the plate that he thinks he can hit i I don't know why he swings it every time but he finally laid off of one from sir anthony dominguez i mean it bounced in the left-hand batter's box for the love of god He, he like even offered at it halfway but then he hits it then he gets not that pitch but then he gets a hit and he gets that confidence up. And I think that that's huge because if you play those young guys and get their confidence up, like an Alec Bohm, who is having a pretty nice bounce-back season, or Bryson Stott, who ever since getting that call back up has been phenomenal, you look at that and you say, that is where the manager plays such an important role. Like, the, in this right. day and age of baseball, the manager doesn't affect the game as much as he used to, but there's still those kinds of decisions. How uh, – Plugged in to the team's plan is he and how committed is he to giving those guys the playing time they need?
2: Yeah, definitely. And you you brought up a perfect example. We saw it today. Barrero's batting 170 coming into that at bat. And now we learned post game, unfortunately, that Joey Votto couldn't have pinch hit for anybody there. But you're thinking, why do you have this guy up the plate? Why is he up here? Is he struggling too much to get the opportunities anymore? And he goes and hits a walk off, like staying with guys like that. There's this whole saying in sports about guys who haven't won a championship like, oh, they haven't been there before. Well, yeah, there was a point where Michael Jordan hadn't been there before and where Derek Jeter hadn't been there before. And like all of these guys, you're not there until you get the opportunities to make it. And that opportunity can make all the difference for young players. So we're in the same uh, mindset when it comes to that.
3: And and programming note for the the locked on reds listeners. We're not ignoring the Joey Votto injury, but Jeff and I are so broken up about it. What we decided to do is pull it out of this episode and we're going to do a whole separate episode, just talking about Joey. That'll be a special bonus uh, episode in the locked on reds feed. If you're wondering what we think about that, Uh, you know, Jeff, you, we've been talking about the Phillies pitching just a little bit and, you know, and Connor has made some great points about, you know, how they've developed and what they've done. And you, uh, uh, reminded us that there is an actual uh, connection to the Reds. And as a matter of fact, Phillies fans owe us a thank you for their improved <laughs> pitching.
0: Yes. And, and the, the connection everybody knows is Nick Castellanos, but everybody forgets about Caleb Cotham. They forget about the former assistant pitching coach, of the Cincinnati Reds under Derek Johnson. He was the guy that came with Derek Johnson whenever he first started here. And the, the Reds pitching was kind of revolutionized under Derek Johnson. But I think that Caleb Coughlin was a big reason for it. And he is showing that with the Phillies. Now, I want to talk about that and uh, also talk a little bit about Nick Castellanos. Uh, coming up here in just a moment, the connections of the Reds and the Phillies, and how uh, that is really helping out the Phillies quite a bit, um, a lot, a lot more so than the Reds. That's coming up in just a moment, though. But Connor, did you know that when it comes to sustainable weight loss, the key is actually through your liver? Wow, really? This little it's, guy down here? Yeah, I mean it helps. Like, and, and, and there's a key to really detoxifying that liver. And it's through the Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. In fact, the Liver Health Formula puts together eight super nutrients that all come together that help your liver work more succinctly. It's going to clean it out, get all the bad stuff out, and help you help yourself with your liver. The Liver Health Formula, you can get risk-free today as a listener of the Locked on Reds and Locked on Phillies crossover podcast today just by going to get liverhelp.com/mlb liver help or the liver health formula will also come with curb fit which is a bottle of all natural appetite suppressant when you put the two together they really act like a great one two punch like a great setup man and a great closer check out the liver health formula with curb fit at getliverhelp.com/mlb Today, again, completely risk-free. You'll get a free bottle of curb fit with your order. Go to getleverhelp.com slash MLB to learn more right now. Thanks again for checking out our crossover with the Lockdown Reds and Lockdown Phillies. You can follow me during our non-podcasting times. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Connor at ConnorThomas975. And you can follow Steve at S often Baker. He's got two F's. I've got three F's. Connor doesn't have any F's. That's okay. No He's F's. got a couple of N's though. That's that's all right. um But yeah. So all right. Let's jump back into this because Caleb cotham really was part of the drive line initiative that the Reds took. Whenever they brought in Derek Johnson, they brought him in. The and next year they brought in uh, Kyle Bodie, the guy that founded Drive Line, and through all of that, maybe had overcorrected to drive lane a little bit, but then were able to integrate it very succinctly. And I think that he's probably brought that to the Phillies.
2: Yeah, I'd imagine he has. Here's the funny thing, right? With Caleb Cotham, he's kind of been overshadowed by Kevin Long because this is Kevin Long's first opportunity to really work with these Phillies hitters and get them squared away. And the offense is the calling card of this team, right? When you have names like Castiano, Schwarber, Harper, Hoskins, Romuto. The hitting coach is the one who gets top billing when it comes to the assistance. But Caleb Cotham, who's kind of lost in the background there, really shouldn't be. He's done a lot of really good stuff for this team. And the most notable thing that he's brought in since becoming the Phillies pitching coach is the aggressiveness on the mound. Uh, you will just look at Aaron Nola and the difference he's made. Aaron Nola had a really rough year last year and much improved year this year because of attacking the strike zone. And you saw it with Noah Syndergaard on Monday. You saw it for sure with Kyle Gibson and eleven strikeouts yesterday and Suarez today. There's a lot less waste of pitches. It's more yeah. ambush pitching of a style, and it's something you haven't seen from Phillies pitchers, especially in the bullpen as well over the past couple seasons. So it's subtler differences. But if you know where to look, you can see the change in philosophy that Caleb Cotham has clearly brought to this team, and it's making a difference both with the starters and the relievers.
0: Yeah, I I look at – especially just because it's fresh on my mind, the way that Ranger Suarez pitched today, like he didn't get the strikeout totals that Kyle Gibson had, but he was putting the pressure on me. He was facing a suboptimal lineup for the Cincinnati Reds and he knew it. He wasn't going to dance around the zone. He wasn't going to complicate matters for himself. Sure. He had a few walks, but overall he kept the pressure on the Reds to get a hit when he knew that there were a lot of guys in this lineup that if they got a hit, that might be the only hit that they got for the day. And I, I definitely saw that pitch efficiency from everybody that the uh, that the Phillies toted out there, including, was it, that wasn't Jimmy Nelson. It was just, who was the guy? That Nick they Nelson took? was Nick, Nick Nelson. Yeah. 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 When, when you saw him come out, he was the first guy that the Phillies ran out there whose ERA made you think, like, could the Reds hit him? Nah, <laughs> the Reds are down by eight. It doesn't really matter if they hit him. <laughs> they did get a run off him though. Uh, the they only did, problem was
2: you guys had a position player pitching at the time. So uh, that game was pretty much, uh, hey, pretty much hey, done. That
3: is bullpen superstar, Aleo Lopez. You're talking about there. <laughs> he's got,
2: he's got a minor league appearance to his name too. So apparently he's <laughs> yeah. not new to this, but, uh, but no, you're absolutely right. And the funny thing, the genius behind that approach of attacking hitters in baseball, at least this year, right? You could argue that every lineup in baseball, is a subpar lineup when you look at averages and what you think of like a great major league hitter. There aren't that many guys floating around hitting 310, 320 anymore. The great hitters are hitting 270, 280. So attacking the strike zone and not giving up walks is more of a premium than it's ever been. How did the Phillies lose the game today? A ninth inning walk that sets up the run that ends up being the game winner. So, yeah, it, the approach means a lot pitching wise in today's game. And Caleb Cotham has done a great job of instituting that in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, that's something too, Steve. That when I look at not necessarily Zoik and Minor, I mean, those guys are what they are, but Nick Clodolo today was just on fire.
3: Listen, I'm going to go back and watch that start again just because he was so good. You know, he continues to elevate what he's doing every time out. And, and you know, you and I talked about this way back in start number one, Jeff. In start number one, Nick Lodolo comes out clearly nervous, clearly caught up in the moment, clearly being fueled by adrenaline and doesn't have a great performance performance. And all he's done said to them is get better every single time he sets foot on the mound. And we saw that again in this start yesterday and and his, you know seven innings of shutout baseball striking out eight and continuing to show I think all of us that he will be the Reds number one in the rotation opening day next season and everybody else is just going to have to fall in line
0: he definitely pitched to me and then Alexis Diaz man I just I continue to become more and more a fan of him every time he pitches. There's something about that fastball, that slider, and that swagger that that dude has. I mean, 17 pitches in two innings, and he still got three strikeouts. Like he was on it. I know that the, his last appearance, there were a couple of days in between appearances for him, and so he he didn't necessarily limp through it, but he did give up a couple of base runners. But in this one, it was just like everything that we had seen from the first two games had shown me that. Reds pitching was overmatched in the series for one day, for one game, they proved the opposite.
2: Yeah, and those were high leverage innings from Diaz. They were great there to throw that spot and against a sure, pretty much a sure, in my mind, playoff team. And the lineup is for sure playoff caliber is impressive. And the funny thing, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back here. When I recorded this morning, the preview of this final game of this series, I said, this is a trap game with Nick Lodolo going and an off day looming for the Phillies. His strikeout stuff has been incredible this year, even if uh, he doesn't have the total number of innings for a sample size you'd want to see from a starter at this point. And it could be one of those overmatched games with a, a tough lefty who looks like he's got some good stuff. I didn't realize how good his stuff would be just by the numbers, though. He was really impressive today.
3: That's the thing. He got off to such uh, a kind of a rocky beginning and, and he has built into this. So the numbers reflect a lot of the early season, figuring it out still, you know, I, if he had just been pitching, like he's been pitching, you know, today, if he has been pitching like that all along, you know, we'd be talking about him, maybe grabbing himself a Cy Young vote or two because he's, yeah. he is building and moving in a direction where, you know, ace, uh, probably isn't a good enough word to describe where I think his ceiling is and where I think he's going. And you
0: touched that. And you touched on something, Connor, and I want to close with this, is that looking at the playoff standings, right now the Phillies are in the second wild card spot. They're a game ahead of San Diego. San Diego is a game ahead of Milwaukee. So you got those three teams that are right there that are going to be competing for the rest of the season. I don't necessarily think – I mean, uh, the Giants might creep up, but I don't think they will just because there's been some sort of dark cloud over them all year long, and they didn't make a big move at the trade deadline or anything like that. So I think it's going to be those three teams. It's really just whoever loses the NL Central is going to be fighting with because the the Cardinals and the Brewers are neck and neck all year long, especially for the rest of the season. But I do think that the Phillies are going to be one of those three teams because the moves they made at the deadline solidified what they had. And, you know, I don't necessarily think it all hinges on Brandon Marsh, but I think he'll be back soon enough that his absence won't be that big of a deal.
2: Yeah, and it's lucky that that turned out to just be a bone bruise with no structural damage, they think. They're still getting a second opinion on that to make sure, but it looks like he may have a minor injured list stint, but I'd imagine it would be 15-day IL and be back. No, it's nice, and they do look like a potential playoff team, uh, very much leaning that way. It's funny, I wrote an article, uh, we're doing this for you guys on Locked on Reds. We're going to try and do this uh, in your honor. But we need to win the NL Central pretty much when you're looking at <laughs> how the Phillies stack up. If they beat it's the true. Cardinals and Brewers in record, they're in. So it's almost like, hey, throw the NL East out. Don't worry about the Braves who are great, the Mets who are outstanding. Win the NL Central. We're honorary NL Central members. And if we can finish ahead of the Cardinals and the Brewers, there's playoffs for the first time in a decade. So if we do, we will share part of the NL Central title with you guys on Locked on Reds. Fair enough? Well,
3: well, God knows nobody in the NL Central wants to win the NL Central,
0: so it's it's all yours. Yeah, I, I, I think what I'm hearing is that Phillies fans should be Reds fans the rest of the way, except for there, there are a couple of games that the Reds and the Phillies play in Philadelphia. But, yeah, I, um, I, I'm with you. I think that it's really just whoever wins the NL Central is going to make the playoffs. I don't think – I don't look at San Diego, Atlanta – Philadelphia and think that one of the Cardinals or the Brewers aren't even necessarily better than any of those teams, let alone better than the Dodgers or the Mets. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, but I'm calling it. I'm saying the Phillies make the playoffs. And, uh, Hope you're right. <laughs> that you're happy to hear that. And with that happy note for Phillies fans, at least that's gonna be where we end today's crossover. Thank you so much for watching, for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. Whether you're a Reds fan, subscribe to Locked On Reds or a Phillies fan, subscribe to Lockdown Phillies. Or, you know, if you like to hear about both teams, subscribe to both. I'd love that if you did that. Check us out also on audio if you're watching us on YouTube. Now make sure you make your second listen, Locked On MLB, as Sully has you covered on baseball present and past with his unique perspective. He adds humor to it as well. Sully's got you covered every single day on Locked On MLB. It's just like Locked On Reds and Locked On Phillies, free and available on all platforms. We'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow.